0: Welcome back to Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is the Relentless Daring Podcast, and I am your host, Tyler Morgan, and we are engaging in the relentless daring pursuit of truth, justice, and American jackassery. So, uh, things I going to hit on on this episode is, uh, freedom of speech and how it is yet again under attack, oath breakers, and, the... Uh, celebrate uh, the 15th anniversary of the Killdozer in a way that's uh, not exactly celebratory. But, first of all, we're going to get into the the attacks on free speech. I know this, this is something I hit on on an earlier podcast, but as things have been progressing, I find myself looking more and more for clarity on what what on what on I believe, what I feel about, you know, the you know, freedom of speech and the role of government in protecting our First Amendment rights. And so, you know, one of the things, you really got to look, because you, you have these big government, or these big, corporations who are going to the federal government saying, quick, give me more regulations. Regulate me. I need you to tell me how to run the right way. And yeah, that's just not the right answer. But at the same time, I feel like there is definitely a role of government. And you have to look back at our founding documents and see what they say. You know, looking back at the Declaration of Independence, we broke away from, you know, the kingdom of England. And we said, we are going to form a new government. We're going to rule ourselves. And here is how we are. And here are the principles, those bedrock issues that we are going to use to, to guide how this government operates. If I, you know, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. End quote. You know, if a government is instituted amongst men, in order to secure those rights, and our Bill of Rights, which lays out, you know, those handful of items which the government cannot, will not, and shall never do to its people. There has to be a point when, as you know, conservatives as libertarians, we go, we look at, you know, these tech companies and say, we have to have the government step in. Because they are acting outside the Constitution, which governs our government. And they are oppressing speech that they do not agree with, speech that they find reprehensible, ideas that they find unfathomable. But you know, we sit back as conservatives and libertarians, and we say, "Yeah, well, it's a private business; they can run things the way they want." Well, at the same time, you know, you we have, you know, we while that may be true, we also have to look at the fact that, yet, yeah, the government is not coming and saying, "Well, you." I'm sorry, you can't say that. Or you can't have that opinion. You cannot express that opinion. You cannot share that religious belief. We have extra governmental bodies. YouTube, Google, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook, all coming out and... Turning on conservative thoughts, conservative principles, because they don't like it, because they don't they don't jive with the primarily left leaning uh, admins at the you know at these companies who control algorithms and everything else. So, at what point do we say, as conservatives, and as libertarians, all right, government? Normally, we don't want you involved. We want you to stay over there in DC, way the hell away from us. But we're tagging you in, partner. We we're tagging you in to come and uh, deal with this because you know we're being we're our thoughts are being you know victims of a technological book burning, so to speak. You know, you look at you know. The big thing's been gone this week has been between Stephen Crowder and Carlos Maza, which you know, Crowder he is who he is. He's a you know, he's a comedian you know he takes pot shots at you know media figures that are wrong media figures that, yeah, maybe they're right, but he just doesn't agree with them. And he uses comedy to, you know, ferret out the issues behind the issue. And to get his point across. It's called satire. It's been a, uh, it's been a staple of American political thought for, I don't know, the last hundred some years. But this, uh, this masa guy. Well, he doesn't like he doesn't like what Crowder has to say because oh my gosh, like he's making fun of the fact that I'm homosexual and that I'm Latinx. Well, dude, your whole online persona is "Look at me, I'm the queen of New York." But you don't like it when someone who is straight makes fun of the persona, the shtick that you put out online for everyone to see. I'd uh, be like, if I had a, you know, truly public image that that I always made sure to play up anytime I made a, you if I were making YouTube videos, if I, were a, if I were a speaker somewhere and I played it up while giving a speech, and then I got upset that someone, you know, whether it be from the right, whether it be a fairly apolitical comedian, whether it be someone on the left, were to come out and then start making fun of this persona. It was like if Dean Martin ever got got upset about someone uh, making fun of the his persona of always being drunk because it always looked like he had a glass of whiskey while he was performing. When uh, insiders tell you, no, it wasn't whiskey; it was iced tea. But um, but you know, here's this guy; he's gone. You know, he's gotten his parent company to go to YouTube and go, Well, he's being naughty. You need to do something about him because we can't have that kind of naughtiness happening. It's just not right. And YouTube looked at his stuff and was like, Well, these individual videos don't seem to violate any of our rules. And then Twitch, uh, you know, Mr Massa went on Twitter on a huge rant and oh my god Twitter is complete or oh my god YouTube is like totally backing him up and they're not going to punish him because he's saying all these naughty naughty things about me and uh, YouTube goes back and they go well yeah again he didn't really violate any rules but the body of his work is unsafe for our community, so we're not going to ban him, but we're just going to demonetize him. Well, thank goodness Crowder was a, uh, you know, was already selling subscriptions for premium content, you know, via the Mug Club, or else, you know, Stephen Crowder and and. You know, maybe minus a few diehard employees who don't mind working for free, they'd be screwed because YouTube demonetized them. And, you know, right now this podcast is small. I'm still waiting to hear and see if maybe a Podbean advertiser wants to, you know, wants to put ads on, attach ads to this podcast. I hope I get there. I've reached out to, uh, to a place, see if maybe I could sell some ad space to them. Maybe it works out. I don't know. Right now, I'm doing this all out of pocket. Which, speaking of out-of-pocket purchases, new recording equipment comes next week. So, hopefully, next podcast has a little bit better sound quality. So here it is. You know, this guy's going out of his way to destroy a person's livelihood. You know, again, going back to that very specific line or two lines from the Declaration of Independence. You know, li- you know, guarantee the right, you know, rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the government's. Instituted to protect those rights. Where is a, the government not stepping in and going, whoa, 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 whoa? You can't do that. You know, interstate commerce clause, you're interfering with interstate commerce by demonetizing him. Yes, that's right. I am referencing a progressive uh, Supreme Court ruling where if not selling your wheat may influence interstate commerce. The federal government come in and say, This is what you're you're gonna do with your wheat. I am going to reference that because you know if that's the standard that was set forth in the 1930s, why is it not being applied now? Man, my computers make all sorts of noises at me. But You know, it's, it's it's crazy that, you know, we sit back and we go, eh, well, Facebook, they can do what they want. YouTube, they, they can adjust the algorithm however they want. It's their company, their private business. You know, if a baker can choose not to make a cake, they can choose not to air this kind of, you know, political discourse that they don't find appealing. Well, that's all well and good unfortunately, we're going to sit back and we're going to be like Congress is now saying the executive branch has too much power. Well, why does the executive branch have too much power? Because Congress kept saying, eh, we, we don't want to deal with that. We want to fundraise. Here, we're, here, we'll sign this law. Okay, executive branch, you can do this. Executive branch, you can do this. Executive branch, you can do this. Now they bitch and moan that, oh my God, there's just too much power in the executive branch. Well, whose fault is that? You're the knuckleheads who gave them the power. And you turn, you know, we're going to be doing the same thing if we do not step up and, you know, have our congressmen get involved, have our senators drag these these uh, social media heads and into the Senate and House wells and beat them, beat them up about it, and go. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you making these decisions and actually enforce the First Amendment? Actually enforce the uh, the government stand, the government's position that is there to protect rights for everyone from everyone. You know the government has. You know, the government doesn't have a a monopoly on just protecting, you know, someone on the streets from having me come up and, you know, kidnap them, drag them back to my house and hold on to them for however long. You know, there's laws there that protect other people from being unlawfully detained. Protect people from being kidnapped. Protect people from being murdered. Well, if not, protect them from being murdered to punish someone who would violate the right to life of another human being. So, why don't? Why doesn't the government get involved when you have these companies who go after? the unalienable right to the pursuit of happiness. Or they go against an individual's First Amendment right to say to say that homosexual marriage is wrong. This is not necessarily my position. This is just an argument I'm making for the sake of the podcast. Or to say, or, you know, why, why aren't they protecting someone's right to say horrible things like black people are bad? Again, not my position, just something I'm bringing up for the sake of the argument. Because these are things that people legitimately believe for whatever reason they choose to believe it. And if you're going to be a diehard constitutionalist, You have to allow people to say things you do not agree with, and you have to be willing to fight for their right to say those things. I think the KKK, neo-Nazis, Aryan Brotherhood, all of these crazy-ass white supremacist groups are the absolute worst dregs of society. But they have every right, as citizens of the United States of America, to spew their garbage. Period. End of story. And if they have their right to say their horrible things, then I have every right to go on Podbean and post my political beliefs through this podcast without Podbean coming at me and saying, "Well, you see, uh, you see, Tyler, there's there's a problem with you thinking that everybody should be allowed to own a gun, no matter what." And so, we're no longer going to host your podcast, and that's essentially. Oh man, smack my boom. And, you know, that's the sense of what's going on when, you know, YouTube deplatformed uh Alex Jones. And it's just, as much as I don't like Alex Jones, as much as I think that what he spews is a bunch of crap and garbage, he has every right to spew it. Which, you know, fortunately, like, you know, Stephen Crowder, Alex Jones does have... Infowars.com, so people would still go there and, you know, watch him freak out about you know, you know how the government's trying to bring a frogs gay or whatever it is he's ranting about these days. You know, and pay a subscription for it. That is all well and good. That's you know, you know his business. He's allowed to run it how he sees fit, as long as he's not trampling on the rights of other people. But at the same time, again, when you have these technocrats in social media who are doing what they can to throttle speech that they don't like, government needs to step in and say, you can't do that. We understand. You are a business. But... What you're doing is just as discriminatory as saying blacks can't eat at the counter. Or anyone can apply except the Irish. It is clearly discrimination. However, it may not be racially motivated. It may not be ethnically motivated. But it is still a politically motivated discrimination meant to hold down those whom you do not agree with. But then again, we also have people serving in office who can't seem to remember their oath of office. Now, segueing here into subject number two, Oath Breakers. Uh, So far on the uh, campaign trails, we there are two veterans who are running who are currently trying to you know who are currently seeking the nomination for the Democratic presidential candidacy Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Congressman Seth Moulton now i bring up these two and also you also have current sitting senators such as you know, Kirsten Gillibrand, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris. Was it was it Klobuchar out of Minnesota? Whoever replaced whoever replaced Al Gropey Franken. Um, they've all taken oaths. Well, okay, maybe. Oh well, yeah, Seth Moulton did. And I really can't say if Pete Buttigieg took an oath because he was a commissioned officer in the Navy Reserves. But every one of them who currently holds a seat in the federal government as part of their oath of office has uttered the lines, I do solemnly swear to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Whether it were to be an oath of enlistment, like I did, and lived up to for, you know, 16 years of military service, or whether they got elected into Congress, or they were, you know, elected into the Senate, were sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution the parts you like the parts you don't like granted the parts you don't like you can say you know I don't agree with this so let's work to change it as opposed to yeah we don't like it so we're not going to do anything to protect it you know and we're Really, where that you see a lot of that I'm not going to protect the Constitution. It usually comes with the Second Amendment because you know guns guns are scary because guns are scary, and we can't have people getting killed, and that's just a horrible, horrible work around towards uh you know changing the Constitution when you won't even defend what's there. And then say we need to change it. You just come out. They just come out and attack it. Uh, some of the, like I said the worst offenders, in my opinion, are especially those former service members and veterans. Notice sir, I said former service members and veterans, because there is a key distinction. A veteran is a person who has served overseas in a. Place of conflict: Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, or well, not Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. Going into Iraq in ninety-one, you know, stuff like that. A former service member is someone along the lines of Dick Blumenthal, also known as "Danning Dick," according to President Trump, who spent years telling his constituents that. He was a Vietnam veteran. No, he is a Vietnam era former service member. Totally different things. He was in the service during Vietnam. He never actually served in Vietnam. But I digress. You know, you have like Pete Buttigieg and Seth Moulton. You have know, Seth Moulton. It, it shocks me that you know he has taken such a hard stance and you know. Going against these quote weapons of war, end quote, because he was a Marine. He was a Marine officer. He was a Marine infantry officer. Based on that fact alone, I have a lot of respect for him because he's been on the ground getting shot at, sending Scunyon back down range at the people trying to kill him. And so you would think a former military officer would have a little bit higher opinion of the Second Amendment. Especially if they're running for president and they hope to get the military to vote for them. Like I said, you would think that, wouldn't you? Uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, also a former Army, she was a helicopter pilot who was shot down. Uh, lost one leg as a result of her injuries and was wheelchair bound. and I think she had the other leg was eventually amputated due to complications from her injuries. I don't know that for sure, so don't hold me to it. you know and and I commend Senator Duckworth's service as a soldier. However, I cannot commend her stance on guns. I get it, gun violence is scary. Um, Kamala Harris was tweeting out facts today that, you know, a hundred people a day are killed by guns in America. Well, technically true. As uh, Mr. Coleon Noir, I think that's how you pronounce his Twitter name, his uh, NRA persona, you know, love him, he's a, he's an attorney, he's a gun nut, and he's black, shh, 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 don't tell anyone, but, you know, he has a great perspective on guns, he's a guy who, he didn't grow up with guns, and then, you know, went to the range with buddies and just fell fell in love with the gun culture. And now he, you know, he had you know YouTube videos for years doing gun reviews, getting involved in uh, three gun competition, and going out shooting new and interesting firearms. And now he now he has a show with NRA TV, which is I think is awesome. Now he came out with some interesting facts. No, it's not 100 people who are killed a day by guns in America. It's 108. 65% of that 108 is suicide. So that leaves what? 40 or 35 deaths per day roughly. And if you break it down, the majority of those the majority of those gun deaths every day are drug or gang related. Hmm. Approximately one day is an accidental death. So, really... We don't necessarily have a gun death problem in America. If you f- factor out suicides by gun, we have a drug and gang violence problem. But Despite the numbers from the Department of Justice, from the FBI, from the CDC, these are things that um, our Democratic friends over, you know, who are in the Senate and the House and running for president, they they just don't want to hear it because facts always seem to run counterintuitive to whatever narrative they're trying to push and whatever the narrative is they try they're trying to push if it looks bad that they're going against their oath of auspice, their oath of enlistment if they're you know a former enlisted soldier or I'm gonna look this up here Oath of, I learn how to spell. Oath of Commission. Do, 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 do. Oh, even the Oath of Commission officers, I state your name, do solemnly swear, or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and lead us to the same. That I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter, so help me God. Title V, U.S. Code 331 An individual except the President elected or appointed to an Office of Honor or Profit in the Civil Service or Uniformed Services. So, I mean, you know, yeah, there were, you know, so the Seth Moulton's and the Pete Buttigieg's of the world, with their, you know, military background, they've also had to have this oath. And they just piss it away because, well, that, you know, it doesn't help me win votes from my side. I'm not going to get support from the people like the Women's March or or you know whatever left wing anti-gun craziness is willing to support them because you know that's who that's who they want to vote for them and at the same time they also you know come out and say you know you know AOC came out after a minor league baseball team ran a Memorial Day video that was it was different clips and pictures set to a speech from Ronald Reagan and he used the line enemies of liberty and with the line enemies of liberty was used it flashed a picture of pictures of you know Kim Jong un uh Fidel Castro, and uh, a third person whose name I can't remember right off the top of my head, and AOC. And AOC, who has again taken an oath to uphold and defend the United States Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, came out and said, How much free speech do we really need? That's a scary thought. When, you know, as I did in the first segment about, you know, free speech being under attack, and we have people in government who are supposed to be defending those rights come out and openly attack those rights it's beyond the pale if you are serving in the United States government and you are openly calling for the restriction of rights for Americans for because they say things that you don't like because they take the line, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. They take that very seriously. Uh, because they think that, you know, like in New Orleans, after Hurricane Katrina, least, that soldiers shouldn't just be moving into churches and spending the night, or turning that to their uh, CP. Because, you know, they need, with, without gaining permission from the pastor or moving into someone's house without the homeowner's permission. Now, if you think that one's a big deal. Or Fourth Amendment rights. Um, I just saw a story today where a police department went into somebody's home without a warrant, collected evidence that was you know, fairly damning, and then the a panel of judges all ruled that, oh, well, you know, yeah, they didn't have a warrant, but they caught stuff that proves he's guilty of something, so it will be admissible in court. they collected blood from the sidewalk outside O.J. Simpson's house that could have helped connect O.J. Simpson to the murder of his ex-wife and, you know, her friend. But because the search warrant and the warrant to collect evidence did not say the sidewalk outside the home, O.J. Simpson's dream team of crack attorneys were able to get that blood evidence thrown out. Uh, Professor William Ayers, University of Chicago, convicted of being a domestic terrorist. He was freed from prison due to a technicality on the warrant for the wiretap And it was the wiretap evidence that led to his conviction. That evidence was thrown out, the conviction was set aside, the charges were dropped because without that telephone conversation that was taped, they could not get the they could not make the prosecution stick. And William Ayers is out teaching teaching the youths of America you know, his twisted view on on the world. So if the Fourth Amendment was good enough to protect them, why is it not good enough to be protecting, you know, the average everyday person? And it, it's getting to the point where, you know, there really needs to be a much better, Better vetting process for the voters in determining who they're going to vote for, because who's going to want to vote for a candidate who, you know, could turn around and go, "Yeah, I, I know, I, I said that." I'm not even talking uh, political promises. I'm talking legitimate constitutional questions that they just at the drop of a hat go. Yeah, I know, well, you know, the the Tenth Amendment is good and all, but, you know, the, the states, the, the individual states are just, they're, their state governments are just not in good enough to figure it out. So we know it doesn't say we have this power in the Constitution, but, you know, we here at the federal government know better, so we're just going to do it anyways. we know unreasonable bail is against the constitution but this guy who's sitting who was picked up for unpaid parking tickets we're still going to and he doesn't have any money to be able to afford even the lowest of bails we're going to set the bail to where he cannot achieve the the means to bond out and be able you know be able to leave jail until after his hearing, until after his trial. We we don't have people standing up against that in Congress, at the presidency, you know, even at the local and state levels. I'm and I'm not gonna say that I think cash bail is a bad thing. I think cash bail is a very good thing, especially when it comes to, you know, people who pose an imminent threat. We do not want them to be able to, you know, have a buddy come and pay ten, pay, you know, the ten percent down, and then they go to a bail bondsman for the rest of it, and then they they're free, they're free to go out and commit an act of retaliation against you know the person who got them arrested. We don't want someone who's a flight risk to be able to have someone come have him pay the bond and then oh, absconds to a non-extradition country. Yep. So I'm not about to rail against the cash bail system. It has a purpose. I think the cash bail system does need to be reformed to make it more in line with the Constitution. And again, it goes back to politicians who are more concerned about power than they are concerned about their oaths. Service members who look at their oath not as a sacred duty that is an honor to have done, but as a block they had to check in order to join the service. Yeah, I still believe that oath. Uh, and we as Americans, we it is incumbent on us to hold accountable those politicians who go into office and betray that oath. We have to hold their feet to the fire. Doesn't matter if it's a Republican, if it is a Democrat, it is if it is a libertarian if they take that oath of office and they do not live up to it it is our job's to make sure that they're removed put in someone who is not just going to be my team versus your team the ends justify the means you know say what you want about Justin Amash and uh, his saying that Donald Trump committed an impeachable offense and that he should be impeached, and that he should go through the impeachment process. If you set that aside, and you look at him live, holding on to the principles and his oath to the Constitution, not to the Republican Party, not to the Republican President, not to you know the Republican leadership in the House, but to his oath of office and to the principles on which that oath is meant to protect and defend. That is the kind of person we want in office. A person is going to say, you know what, this isn't popular. I know it's probably going to kill me and ruin my career, but by God, I'm going to stand for it. We don't have enough of those Mr. Smith's go-to-Washington types. And we need more of them. Alright, now I'm going to get into the coup de grace for this episode. I promised it earlier this week. The Killdozer. Oh my goodness. So, leading up to it, uh, <clears throat> I started, you know, doing my research on this, and is it earlier this week, June 4th, was the 15th anniversary of Marvin Heemeyer, H-E-E-N-E-Y-E-R. Oh, man, I keep smacking that boom. It's one of the things I look forward to when I get uh, my new recording equipment. Is it come the microphone has a shock mount? So by smack the boom, it shouldn't be transferring to the mic. So anyways, I digress. Uh, Marvin He Meyer, 15 years ago, uh, June 4th, 2004, as the small government get even get the local government out of my life, people will tell you. A good man was pushed to the limit by crooked local politicians and through business wheelings and dealings and chicanery and tomfoolery on the part of the local business owner. He was left with no choice but to defend his honor by taking a large Komatsu bulldozer building armor out of steel and concrete encapsulating himself in said bulldozer with the shield around it and knocking down the town of Granby, Colorado. Because there comes a point when reasonable men are forced to do unreasonable things. It's a quote from a letter or audio recording sent to the brother of Marvin Heemeyer. But the story itself is way more complicated than uh, than a funny Gadsden flag that has an armored bulldozer in lieu of a rattlesnake that says in the phrase tread on those who tread on you. So this is a process. That this is a story that was, you know, 12 years in the making. When you know Marvin Heemeyer, he moved to Granby and he bought a parcel of land. and He built a muffler shop, and that was all well and good. And then he had agreed to sell a portion of his land to another business developer who's going to build a concrete plant. And uh, they, they agreed on a price, and they get to the negotiation table you know, to start finalizing things, and he and Meyer jacks the price up. And he jacks the price up again. And in a tactic basically is like trying to force the uh, owners of the concrete, the Forthcoming concrete plant to uh, to bow out and just go no no on second thought we're not going to build it here because obviously you're not going to sell it to us. Well, and he wasn't the most stable of people. Uh, he was basically he was they forced him into court where you know they got it rezoned to where yes we can not have this concrete plant here, and we are going to get this land. So he, he was forced to sell a portion of his land, and the concrete plant, you know, they, they, they built a road behind his muffler shop, which, you know, in the process, they cut off the shortcut that he used to go from his home to the muffler shop, so that was that was something that, you know he was not a huge fan of, and he he claimed that the in the process of building the road they broke his sewer line, so he was so he was forced to you know put in a put in his own septic tank and then. Drain it himself, and you know he'd take it across the driveway to the uh, to the concrete plant. And there's a there's a drainage ditch over there. He would dump the waste into, and he was caught doing that and was fined. And immediately, you know, well, it's not my fault, is that Damn concrete company. And. And he basically, in in all of his rambling letters to his brother, they sent prior to, well, with a few days before the before the kildozer rampage, he basically he set himself up that he was this this poor martyr that he was this victim. But his history in Granby, uh, he's the kind of person a he had someone who was delinquent and paying $125 for a muffler, muffler repair and started harassing, berating, and threatening that customer. That customer, they made good, but they sent an intermediary to actually pay the money for it because they were worried about being attacked by him when they showed up. And the whole process, it, it wasn't just that he snapped, and one day he welded some steel plates to the, you know, to this bulldozer. It took him almost a year and a half to build it. To, you know, he had to, he had to, you know, he used tool steel that he had to that he had to purchase from out of town from a steel di- distributor because you know even the local you know even the close steel supply shops yeah you know, they they that's not plate they carried you know he used a very specific 5000 psi concrete and he built these panels at upwards of a foot thick. During that time, he acquired a, an AR-10, you know, basically basic an AR-15, but chambered in three oh eight Winchester, a Barrett fifty caliber rifle, a shotgun and some other weapons and he loaded them carted them into the killdozer which he built with you know cameras on the outside so he could see tur- you know gun turrets that he used to shoot at propane tanks and transformers with the 50 caliber rifle you know he he was loaded for bear because he knew what he was getting getting into This wasn't a—he just snapped at the spur of the moment. He, you know, it was through nine one one, you know, with cops on the ground watching what he was doing, calling the local library and saying, "Hey, get everyone out of there now!" The crazy man in the bulldozers getting ready to, you know, crash into your building. You know, when he was on his rampage, there were kids who were participating in a reading program at the library. Uh, the widow of the mayor, who who had been who had been who had been the mayor when uh, the zoning dispute happened. Uh, his, you know, I said his widow. Her house was knocked off its foundation because, why? She had nothing to do with it. You know he was he was attacked. He went. He just snapped and went after a dead man. Now all of this is one hundred percent calculated, and he had no intention of ever coming out of that and kill those alive. And the governor of Colorado at the time was actually heavily considering whether he was going to need to call in uh, the National Guard and have them bring, you know, with, you know, Apache helicopters with, you know, live munitions to destroy this bulldozer. The only reason they didn't is because when he rammed it into the hardware store, he didn't account on their basement. And the bulldozer fell into the, all cockeyed into the basement, couldn't get out, at which point he killed himself. But he's held up at, you know, this mythos built up around him that, you know, he was he was the next uh, Buford presser a man pushed to happen to do what he ha- do what he did to seek justice against a corrupt system but it wasn't the case at all and it's amazing how in this day of you know distrust of government and seeing the abuses that government does against people like uh, the Kelo case in Connecticut, where the town bought up a, a neighborhood, had it demolished to have a Pfizer plant built, and then the Pfizer plant never even showed up. They backed out at the last second because they got a better deal somewhere else. You know, and we live in that society, so it's really easy for nutcases like this guy to be put up on a pedestal. So, I mean, we just really have to kind of stop and look at some of the stories that come across that, oh, this person's a hero because X, Y, and Z. This person's a hero because they did that. Hold this person up because, you know, you really at the point where you have to stop and, you know, look at, really look into who these people are saying we should be worshiping are. Because some of them, you know, like, like the killdozer guy, not worth the hoot and holler at all. All right. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of Relentless Daring. Again, Feel free to keep up with me on the social medias, yeah. The the Relentless Daring Twitter page at Daring Podcast. There's my personal pod my personal Twitter page. You know, at Real Tyler Morgan. Check me out on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash relentless daring. And also, yeah, you know, I'm hosted on on Podbean, obviously. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Spotify. Oh my gosh, this list is starting to get so long I can't remember it all. Stitcher, Spotify, and now on iHeartRadio. Again, if you if you like what you're hearing and you want to support me, please go on, please go out to uh patreon.com and search for relentless daring. Become a patron over there. You know, again, help me to build this thing up to You know, be able to reach more people. If you go on iTunes, do four things. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Review it. And share it with your friends. Get it out there. Please, again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless.